the moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and you've somehow found Season 1, Episode 7 of The Moment. Each week on this program, I invite a guest to come chat with me about a specific moment that they have a lot to say about from an episode of Doctor Who. This week, the Twelfth Doctor and Clara Oswald. Hey, remember them? Yes, this is the third time they've turned up on The Moment. If you've been listening to the show all season, and it's fine if you haven't, but if you have, you might remember episode two of The Moment when Riley Silverman joined me to discuss a moment from the end of Peter Capaldi's first episode, Deep Breath, where the friendship between the Twelfth Doctor and Clara Oswald finally clicks into place. And then you might also remember episode five, where Evan Tang and I picked up the Doctor and Clara's storyline a little later in Capaldi's first season, when Clara and the Doctor were in the midst of figuring out who they are and who they want to be. Today, we bring this relay race to a close, and for the final stretch, I'm joined by Lisbeth Miles of the Verity Podcast. We'll be discussing a moment from the 2015 episode, Hellbent, the finale of Capaldi's second season, in which the Doctor and Clara part ways. So, okay, a lot of background to explain here. Clara has actually already died a couple of episodes ago in Face the Raven, but the Time Lords have given her a temporary reprieve by snatching her out of her timeline a split second before the instant of her death. As we approach the end of the episode, the Doctor is now out of Clara's life because his memory has been wiped and he no longer knows who she is. So now she's got a stolen TARDIS on her hands, and she knows she really should bring it back to Gallifrey so they can put her back in her time stream to die where and when she's supposed to. And her only accomplice is an immortal woman she barely knows, who is quite confusingly named Me, but is also sometimes known by the less confusing name, Ashilder. That's when Clara and Ashilder slash Me start talking about their next steps, and that's when Lisbeth's moment happens. This scene is Clara's final scene, and she's with me, Maura Shilder, and they're in a classic TARDIS, which is stuck as an American diner, and then they both operate the TARDIS. Ashilder has been trying to get the chameleon circuit to work again. You know, it, it, feel, it feels really good watching it. It's really such an uplifting scene, especially after you've gone through the emotional ringer of Face the Raven. I'm sorry. Why? Why does everybody think I am so scared? We all face the Raven in the end. That is the deal. And uh, heaven if said... If I go back to Gallifrey, they can put me back, right? On Trap Street, the moment they took me out. Clara sort of edging around the issues, saying, well... Mind you. Well, yeah, of course we're going back to Gallifrey, of course. Seeing as I'm not actually ageing, there's still a tiny little bit of wiggle room, isn't there? Wiggle room. And shoulder instantly being, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think... You're not... You don't really mean it, do you? Don't you're, could, you know... Um, you know, stop off. Clara decides she's not going straight back to Gallifrey. Gallifrey. Like back in her time stream and die. She's going to take Gallifrey. The long way around. The long way around. They have these amazing smiles on their faces and are kind of looking up in wonder as well. They're thinking, ah, adventures. What a marvelous, exciting adventures we're going to have before we, you know, we die. Why did this moment speak to you? What about this one in particular? I wanted to pick a moment that I had a very, very strong emotional reaction from. And, you know, there's quite a lot of those throughout Who. Mm. But I think this one in particular appealed because I had a very similar emotional reaction to Jodie Whittaker revealing herself as the Doctor. And so I felt it was particularly relevant. This was one of the things that I think helped pave the way 
for a female doctor of the of the many things that happened over the Moff era that did that. And it also felt very, you know, just relevant because I feel like I'm gonna be feeling feel like I'm gonna be feeling what wonderful grace. <laughs> Uh, sort of a light version of this every single week with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, that feeling of I am being represented, I am on the screen, I am getting to have those cool adventures and I am not reliant on on the Doctor to have them, which I love. A through line throughout Clara's time with the 12th Doctor is that like Clara is mm-hmm. becoming more like the Doctor. You, you see her stepping into the role of the Doctor, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, in in a sense, it's sort of the culmination of her journey isn't to go back home or to find a new life somewhere. It's her off on her own, doing her own thing with as much freedom as she had before. And technically, she's a little bit less breakable. And that's one of the things that when the doctor uh, talks to her about... Why should I be so reckless? You're reckless all the bloody time. Why can't I be like you? And he's like... There's nothing special about me. I am nothing, but I'm less breakable than you. I should have taken care of you. And now, like, Clara can't die until she actually goes back to the moment of her death because she's already dead. She's achieved this physical toughness, as it were. She's not not going to die from falling off a cliff. I assume. I like... I mean, that is a little bit of headcanon, but I am... I am fairly convinced of that. I think it's especially good in the context of New Who companions leaving, which I find a bit so-so mostly. I hate (laughs) Roses and Donna's leaving because Please Please don't let me go back. Donna. They just completely lost their agency and didn't do anything with their own back. Martha's is okay, but it leaves me pretty upset. I told her, I always said to her time and time again. Because she's leaving because she feels like the doctor out. You know, they haven't clicked. He's kind of rejected her and it's like, I, I get that, that. She does have her agency. So this is me. But also, getting out. She was the first new Who companion that I really identified with. So it's like, oh, you 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 couldn't even say anything nice to me, Doctor, when I was leaving. Thanks a lot for that. Hmm. And a- Amy and Rory were okay, but they, you know, they, they were dead at the end of it. By the time you read these words, Rory and I will be long gone. So know that we lived well. And we're very happy. And I really like the the open-endedness of this one in that we know what will eventually happen, but the journey there, we can fill in with whatever you like with as many cool, exciting and awesome adventures as we care to imagine for the two of them. Clara could very well have had quite a different ending because Mm. she seems to have had several stories that were written either under the impression that uh, Jenna Coleman wouldn't be returning or might not be returning. How do you think this compares to the ending in um, Death in Heaven? And then I guess there's uh, the fake out in uh, Last Christmas. And indeed, you could have just had Face the Raven and gone somewhere different for the finale. Sure. I can understand how it would be frustrating to have so many things that feel like closure and for them not, in retrospect, for them not to be closure. But um, it doesn't bother me because I really love Clara and I think I find her one of the most fascinating of companions and I the complicated relationships with the Doctor. So I really appreciate it. Mostly when she kept coming back, I was like, it was a relief I felt rather than worrying about, hmm. it does it is this effective storytelling? I think if she'd left at the end of season eight i think that's the kind of beautiful ending traveling with you made me feel really special i I think i I would have been satisfied with that thank you for that it is a very sad wistful story feel special she was choosing to leave thank you for exactly the same and and i would have been okay with that but i wouldn't it made me sad and wistful and i much prefer the feeling of this one last christmas i was not so taken with i think how long has it been the idea of her oh you know being there for her long life i mean about 62 years. You know, it, it's sad, but it's not. 
It does. It doesn't make me feel anything good. It was not. It would not have been a happy Christmas story. I have missed you very much. To watch, which is why I thought. You stupid old man. But we can't actually do that. Stop making people sad on Christmas. I know. I know you keep killing the Doctor at Christmas, but but otherwise they're generally quite chipper. Again, and again with Face the Raven killing her off, I genuinely thought. I know it's going to hurt you, but watching this, that, that was actually they were going to just be a little proud of me. Stick with it. I didn't think they were going to use uh, Technobabble to, to bring her back in any sense at all. But um, I think the emotional power of the last scene makes all of that completely justifiable to me because I don't want to take away the impact that that scene had. I mean, I watched it again today and I cried pathetically. Mm. Um, tears of joy, man, tears of joy. Here was were two women off on their own adventure in the universe with a TARDIS. And not just any TARDIS, a TARDIS was with, I don't want to say proper interior, <laughs> but with the proper interior. I, I guess it's the one I, was, I grew up with, but um, I think of 80s TARDIS as the proper TARDIS. Mm-hmm. You've had this place redecorated, haven't you? Mm, don't like it. So this wasn't quite right because the console was not quite 80s-ish enough. It was a little more sedated, but it was very close. And, you know, there were plenty of round dolls. The round things. I love the round things. So I, I was reasonably happy with it. So, I, 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 yeah, I like they got a... I don't want to say real TARDIS, but TARDIS. God. I'm so sorry, New Who TARDIS fans. I do like the New Who TARDISes. I just don't like them as much. You can kind of imagine her growing into the New Who TARDIS eventually after after a thousand years of travel. Yeah, you, you get bored by that point. I'm, I'm sure she... I don't have any objections to her changing it, but I, I like she starts out with this one. Just like the Doctor did. Exactly. Again, tying it back to she's going off on her own, her own Doctorish adventures. Yes, excellent thought. Well done. With regard to the um, the apparent death, well, the very real death, actually, in Face the Raven, how do you feel about companions dying? Is it something that the show should do, or is it a place that the show should always hold back from? Oh, um, yeah, sure, kill them off if you want. I don't mind. Um, I, I do like the death fake-outs in the sense that I like the theme of there's always hope, there's always a way out, there's always something you can do. Um, and it, Rory did become a running joke, so... I think you'll just come back to life. When don't I? Rory! So, uh, that was even more okay with me. Hmm. Yeah, I'd have been okay with her dying there because that was her choice and she knew full well what she was doing, which is another part of what you know adds to the ending of this. She, she couldn't have gone off on her adventures if the Doctor had had his way initially and wiped her memories. He would have done exactly the same ghastly thing as as he did to Donna, which made me, you know, very unhappy. And I like the sense here that it was kind of acknowledged that that was an awful thing to do. Tomorrow's promise to no one, Doctor, but I insist upon my past. I am entitled to that. And that we, we get the importance of the agency of the companions acknowledged. And, it's, and that it's the Doctor who loses his memories, that he is the one who's left with this hole in his life whilst she's found a bizarre new way to exist that yeah that that really works for me I, it's, but but yeah i'm okay with killing companions i'm very okay when they're adric <laughs> now i'll never know if i was right but yeah i think i think companions deaths can be used effectively and i think if clara's had been left there that would have been fine that's not to use the term a fridging because uh, the point of it is i did this do you hear me? I did this. This is my fault. I don't care. Liar. She'd reached the conclusion of her heroic narrative. Mm-hmm. And here we saw that her hubris has been her fatal flaw. And that's completely legit. That's all about her. It might make the doctor upset, but it's all about her. So not only does this kind of serve as an ending for, for Clara, but it also serves as an ending for for me, for a shelter, for... The character played by Maisie Williams. Um, so how did yes. you feel about this as a send-off for that recurring character? 
I think it's about as good as she could possibly have got. We could have, I suppose, just left her at the end of the universe, and that makes complete sense. At the end of everything we should expect, the company of immortals, so I've been told. But again, the idea of even at the end of the universe, even if you're the last person there, the one watching the final lights just blink out mm. in the sky, uh, there's still hope for something else, hope for something more. And it also adds the imagery of two women as friends going off in the towers to have adventures, which I think is extremely important. It's still, uh, as we know today, uh, women are still vastly underrepresented on the screen and the number of times even they speak on the screen vastly out of proportion to, you know, 50%. Because she's one of the immortals and is sort of lifted up there as, you know, even more immortal than the Sisterhood of Karn or the Time Lords... And she's lived this fantastically and long life and she can respond to the Doctor in a way where he can't patronise her. Ashilda. Me. Me, go to hell. By my calculations, you've got about five minutes. Can't intimidate her and can't... You know why we run, Doctor? Outwit her because... Because we know summer can't last forever. She's even older than he is. And she's at the TARDIS controls with a companion who's done pretty much everything she possibly can to be as like the Doctor as she can. You know, that that's a very powerful image. We get that with River as well. Professor River Song, archaeologist. But uh, in the new series, it's basically the, the three of them are the women who have actually been in control of the TARDIS, as opposed to the Doctor, who we're seeing a dude driving the TARDIS, admittedly very badly, but still, every week. And, you know, I- imagery matters. How do you think this compares, then, in that respect to the ending of uh, Series 10 with Bill and Heather? Oh, that's that's really difficult. I didn't find their ending as satisfying. There was such a good relationship developing between the Doctor and Bill. From the pilot through to the lie of the land, it's just gorgeous. And the lie of the land we get, in many ways, sort of the culmination of Bill as a hero. All those years you kept her alive inside you. An isolated subroutine in a she living uses mind. the memories of her mother to save the world, Perfect. which is like extraordinarily brilliant and moving. She's a window on the world without the monks. And, and I love that, you know, despite all the criticisms Absolutely. one might make of the lie of the land. And then it was sort of like, we don't quite know what to do now that she's had her big heroic moment and we're just going to fluffle it a bit. They don't go anywhere with it after that, which is infuriating. But it's up to you, Bill, but before you make up your mind. It is a nice moment. I do like that Heather turns up, rescues her. Let me show you around. And they go off and have adventures. And it's great. It's just they don't have a TARDIS. Yeah. It's not going to look as good to me because they don't have a TARDIS. Is that wrong? No, no. I also think, you know, Bill, maybe, well, this is the best you could hope for mm-hmm. after your rather dire situation that you found yourself in. So it's not as bad as it might have been. Whereas like, I, I also feel like the, the complete like joy of the moment at the end of um, at the end of Hellbent. So it's a very different sort of feeling for me. Yeah, it's it's like a sigh of relief. That, oh, thank God. They, it's, it's, you know, she's not going to end up Cyberman as opposed to a swooping curve up of elation. Yeah, and I want I want my sodding elation. I want I want to feel elated at where the companion is going afterwards. I don't want it to feel like she's been grounded somehow when she wants to have wings. She wants to move on from the doctor, but she wants to move on to something interesting or cool or that's affected by her experiences with the doctor. And I think Clara's is perfect for that because it's a perfect reflection of her character arc and that she's paying for her hubris but she also gets to be the Doctor for a while with a TARDIS. I think the other one that's just the, the companion leaving that's that's just perfect is, is Nyssa. There's too much to be done here. And in um, Terminus, 
because she leaves because she sees there's a problem here. This is a plague ship. Here I have a chance to put into practice the skills I learnt on Traken. I can use the skills I learned on my doomed home planet to help these people out. Mm. And that's, you know, that's beautiful. She's not leaving to do something exciting and cool. She's leaving because she sees she can help and she wants to make stuff better even though she's like scared and stuff it's, it's beautiful it's not it's not like limiting it. i don't need every companion to get their own tardis but i need to feel like they're not just settling and that they don't have to be forcibly removed from the doctor they have to find something they're passionate about to move on to so yeah those those are those are the types that i like how do you feel about where this turn of events leaves the doctor i like that it feels like proper closure for him Especially that we're not having the sense that we need like a break for him to mourn or get over or process his loss. That's already been done by technology. I know her name was Clara. He doesn't have any of those feelings. No, we travelled together. I, I like that he's the one who's lost the thing, that he's the one who's not all knowing about it. I know we sat it. together in the cloisters and she told me something very important, but I have no idea what she said. That she's got these memories and adventures. Or what she looked like. That he doesn't have anymore. Or um, how she talked. He was the one who was affected. Or laughed. That felt kind of really good because he'd lost a power. There's nothing there. That, that she kept just because nothing. she's got all her, her experience and knowledge from what she's done. And he's just got this hole that he doesn't really feel anything about. It was it was very moving as well that he, you know, he knew who she was and he's got an idea of what they did. But they don't have that. And seeing him right. go as far as he went and then realise he was wrong. They're always... And stop himself. Always right. That's some good stuff. That's nice character development, sort of being aware of when you have gone over the line. And doing what you have to do in order to correct it as much as you can. It's interesting, something you've you've mentioned, both in terms of how this leaves... Well, for Clara, it leaves her... You know, she chooses something that she's passionate about and goes off to have that life. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, you know, gets that clean break where he doesn't have to mope. But neither one of them comes to that naturally. They both come to it through a bit of, you know, sci-fi technobabble gimmickry. Mm-hmm. They arrive at that under duress. It's not like, you know, Nissa makes the decision, all right, I just happen to be at a place in my life where I feel strongly and I need to do this. This, uh, whereas the new series still may not quite have figured out how to give that kind of closure to its characters. Um, I think just because I use this, this is kind of the, in many ways, the ideal companion leaving, but mostly in the classic series, I don't think it particularly had them worked out well anyway. Mm. And they were often, you know, I, I often needed just just a little more emotion, just a little, you know, some, some of them I quite enjoy, but, you know, what were the best stuff? Like Ian and Barbara. We made it. That was perfect. Mm. You know, that. London, 1960. Or, or Joe. Save me a piece of wedding cake. Right. But some of them were like, that's it, that's all I get for three years, Sarah Jane. But it isn't even South Croydon. I think it's not an artificial means to end their companionship in the sense that it's using science fiction norms as metaphor, really. Look how far I went. And if they have to stay together. I'm afraid of losing you. They have to do something incredibly destructive. This has to stop. And they have to weigh. One of us has to go the love and attachment and joy they have for and bring to each other's lives against the destruction that they will cause if they don't part. 
and the parting has a cost. They can't just simply do it because they know how strong their feelings are and what they will do for each other because they've just done it and just seen it. So they need to have some sort of ending. They need to, to break it somehow. Okay. And so this... And you, what do we do now? This is their sacrifice. I'm not sure you managed to reverse the polarity. I'm not even sure that you can. That both of them are willing to make. Both of them are do something. willing to give up. To one of us. Better than flipping a coin. The preciousness of this whole adventure and love and joy because they've decided, oh, well, actually, the greater good is more important than our personal shenanigans and happiness. So if this is what we have to do, one of us has to make this sacrifice. And instead of one of them forcing it or the on the other one, they choose to go into it with an equal chance of it being them uh, to give it up, which, you know, like, I, I find that pretty moving. So episode as a whole, how, how does this one stack up for you? Hellbent, I think, is in many ways very unexpected in what it does, or at least it was for me, the much-vaunted return of Gallifrey. But when we get to actually finding Gallifrey, it's firstly, it's a desert. We go to a barn. The doctor says nothing for like the first 20 minutes. And it's so underplayed, I find it, I absolutely adore it. Because it's so easy to just big it up with pomp and ceremony and grandeur and ah, I have found my own planet glory but actually when he returns he's just so angry and he doesn't even care about Gallifrey really because what he's looking for is is a way to save Clara for that just to undercut all expectations I, I think it's wonderful plus everything that was going on in Gallifrey the sets and the hats and the cloaks was absolutely freaking delightful and I love that this, that Ohila who's my probably my, my favorite like supporting part in quite a lot of new who I, I haven't done a list or anything but I absolutely adore her and that she's another one of like the doctor's peers like uh, Missy and River and that she can't be patronized by him or uh, talked down to and the way that she uh, sort of snapped to him about get out of that TARDIS and face me boy in such contemptuous tones and he doesn't just like slam the door and go off he goes out and he tries to defend himself to her and she's just filled with contempt mm. that's, that's another thing about the love about the, the Moffat era of Doctor Who is that so many of the doctors of characters that are peers of the doctor are introduced and we get so many of them here because he's back on his own planet so he's having to deal with people who he has to sort of engage with on a very level playing field. And I, of course, I love that uh, the general uh, regenerated into a woman. Just, you know, casually there. Back to normal, am I? On screen. Yeah. The only time I've been a man that last month. Again, just making it as easy as possible for the next Doctor to be a woman. It's like you're doing virtually everything. The second most famous Time Lord's a woman now. Say something nice. We're getting an actual regeneration of a woman. We've got women all flying the TARDIS on their own. It's, it's you know, it's just these all these little steps basically saying... What's the big deal about the Doctor being a woman? It's, it's so nice. It makes me very happy. This is when it, it really started to seem to me, not only is it kind of long past time we had mm-hmm. a woman as a Doctor, but it also now just feels kind of silly if they don't at this point. Yeah, you can complain about Moffat not casting a woman, which I think is, you know, that's fair enough. But he also did more than any other of our uh, producers to pave the way for a woman being cast, to make it so easy for it to happen, to sort of bring around fanish opinion. He he was the one who had, you know, the Corsair, first of all, who changed genders. He had that snake as a tattoo in every regeneration. Didn't feel like himself unless he had the tattoo or herself a couple of times. Woohoo! 
she was a bad girl. We got, we got the master becoming Missy, and, and I don't know anyone who doesn't at least, you know, you might think that it's a bad idea, but no one actually complains about Michelle Gomez hmm. and her delicious performance. I mean, a lovely little square in one of your, oh, I don't know, hot countries, and this light breeze coming from the east, and this coffee's a buzz monster in my brain, and I'm gonna need eight snipers. You know, I, I think she's brilliant, and... Uh, no, mm-hmm. paving the way. Very, very good work. It sort of uh, it, it minimizes backlash when people are sort of gradually exposed to something, as opposed to saying accept this thing now. It's infuriating uh, because you just want instantly want the cool thing, but uh, generally speaking, gradual change is more effective for actually sticking around than uh, just flipping a thing. Right, right. So what happens now? Suppose we're just dumb. We just wait a minute, I suppose. One of us. I also love how that situation kind of allows Stephen Moffat to enact his, you know, love of having characters standing over buttons, whether it literally oh, metaphorical, playing, <laughs> playing games, like whether it's um, in the Beast Below with protest or. Oh my god, you're so right. Day of the Doctor, there has to be a big red button. Yeah, there's whereas... a button. There's a button in the Zygon one as well. I never noticed the thing about buttons. Oh my god, I would like someone to do a blog or an essay on the metaphorical buttons of the Moffat era. Yeah, and like this, this one gets to be kind of like a roulette. Yeah, it's so beautiful because neither one of them has to make the choice to yeah to strip the other one of of the memories that are so dear to them. They both get to kind of it, it's it, it's together. like t- together or not at all or not at all together or not at all in order to separate themselves forever. Yeah, wow. It's, this is why I cried when I watched it. Yeah, it's I didn't I didn't rewatch the whole episode. I just kind of watched the last uh, five or six minutes of it, and I also got very emotional. Yeah. This is one of my favorite uh, series finales, possibly my favorite. It, it is extraordinarily good. I think it's I don't rewatch, haven't rewatched as New Who as much as Classic Who. So whenever I do watch quite a lot of New Who, I'm sort of like, wow, this is amazing. How did I forget just how amazing this is? I'm having a lot of feelings about this. So. Uh, I want to end the season of Doctor Who not feeling sort of depressed and sad and woebegone, which I think a lot of New Who seasons, RTD seasons, left me feeling like really kind of depressed. And uh, the end of season five is my favourite, far and away. Hmm. Amy and Rory going to the TARDIS have just been married. Something's come up. This will have to be goodbye. The Doctor saying bye to them. Yeah, I think it's goodbye. Do you think it's goodbye? Expecting her to go off. Definitely goodbye. Live a life on Earth, you know, just like a fair few of his other companions have done. And then just rejects that. Amy is the one waving goodbye as she goes off with her husband and her best friend to have adventures in time and space. I mean, that's one of them. I mean, obviously, I don't want Doctor Who to stop. But if it had to stop, that's like the sort of ending I'd want. That kind of open-ended ending where there's nothing conclusive it's just more adventures they're off to happen in that kind of uplifting thing and I think um, whilst not as perfect there's very much the same feeling for me here of we're off on new adventures this chapter of adventure is ending and we are off on a new beginnings in two directions instead which uh, I find that immensely satisfying Yeah, I like the Doctor, I don't like endings, I just like endings that create new beginnings that's all for the moment this week thank you to Elizabeth Miles who you can follow on Twitter at LM Miles that's L-M-M-Y-L-E-S 
Elizabeth is one of the panelists on the Verity podcast, which is utterly excellent and highly recommended. She also co-hosts Hammer House of Podcast, where each month she and Paul Cornell talk about a Hammer horror movie, starting from 1955 and proceeding chronologically. You can find show notes for this show at themomentpod.com and follow us on Twitter at themomentpod. If you haven't rated and reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts, you can do that, so please do that if you're interested. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment. <laughs>